Chapter 10 You Aren't That to Me A sadness inside of someone you love will impose itself on you through your failure to fix it. It will break your heart through your inability to heal theirs. My heart has been broken by Miri's more than once. She hurts in ways I don't know how to help. I can't figure it out, and it makes me feel weak and ineffective. She sees me feel these things and tells me it's okay. Sometimes she calls it beautiful. But that's all. The description ends there. She says she can't find words for what she feels, for all the secrets and the sad parts that own her sometimes. To me, without the words, there's no bridge, no way for me to follow her. I ask her to please help me understand, and she can't. But your heart, she says, it doesn't need the words. It hears me. It knows. She tells me these things, and I find myself wondering which one of us is really the poet. I listen, and when she lets me, I hold her. But all I feel is the sad things inside her, and the reality that, with or without words, she feels them all by herself, and I don't understand. You're my easy slow. You are my still. You bring the middle back to mute. You're the silence in between the lines I write that doesn't speak or move. You're my pocket dark beneath the rubble when walls and words and thoughts collapse. The space I wait and breathe inside of. The hand that finds and brings me back. Palms to ears, eyes shut, knees folded up and hiding, closet closed. You're the safe, pretended, pretty world where the frightened child inside me goes. You're the mapless ocean's voiceless floor, the place I sink my secrets to. The parts of me I'm scared to be, I give to and forget in you. You're every calm I've ever felt my easy, soft, and silent dream. You're the only way that it's okay when there's nothing more to say to me. The first real lesson in my inability to bring Miri back from herself, my first clear glimpse into the true measure of distance between my wife's secret heart and the rest of the world, came on the day I wrote that for her. In the brilliance of mine and Miri's story, the sad memories shine back at me just as brightly, and I find this one among many others that look very much the same. It looks like a beautiful young woman lying on her left side, legs bent and pulled in, making herself as small as she can be. This day she's on the couch. She's wearing her comfy sleeping shorts and a t-shirt. The collar is ripped out and hangs over her shoulder. Her third arm is bent forward from the back, resting her goddess hand to her right cheek, always when she's sad. Her right hand is placed on top of her goddess hand, and from between her body and the couch cushions, her left arm bends up to her face as well, fingertips to lips, barely touching. Her green eyes are open and focused on nothing. Twenty-two years old, my wife of two years now, 
She's so very sad and the prettiest girl I've ever seen. During this particular episode, I was making no headway at all. Miri was far away and not acknowledging me. My experience of being on the receiving end of her cold nothings comes to me in a strange oscillation of emotion. In no predictable order, I feel confused and unintelligent because I don't understand, I don't get it. I feel desperate to save her and get angry because she won't tell me how. When the frustration gets bad, my speech turns childish and rhetorical. I ask entitled questions. Am I not your husband? Then I switch tones, something softer, and try again. My hand on her shoulder. We're supposed to be partners, right? Her sad eyes don't blink. So then I stand up, more frustrated, revert to my entitled tone, and no more asking. I tell her this time, remind her of the rules. You're supposed to talk to me. You have to let me in, Miri. Me, me, me. Her knees pull tight and she shrinks, becoming smaller in front of me. 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 There's an elusive relativity woven through what defines altruism and selfishness. Its crystallization, a clear glimpse at the so tiny divide separating the two, is a hard-earned and perishable epiphany. I don't know that I ever got there. As lovely as her poetic consolations to me were, in the end they helped nothing. I know words and I know poetry. Their healing is placebo. There is no cure inside a pretty thought. I left Miri on the couch that afternoon and retreated to write her a poem. Back inside this memory, I'm reading over the lines again and every bit of it is about me. How she consoles my sadness. How she keeps my secrets. How she makes me okay. And really, it's not even my sadness. There's no originality to my hurt. Every bit of it is derivative. I hurt only because she does. My sadness is a thin stream evacuating her ocean. And the poem I wrote that day, I now understand, read to her like instructions for how to fortify the borders of a stream such as mine, how easy it is, if only you'll let it be, applying my small analogy to the shores of the ocean, drowning Miri from the inside out whenever it pleases. It's so easy, Miri. This is what you are to me. Now let me be that to you. I sat down beside her on the couch, and without preamble, I read the words. You're my easy slow. You are my still. My, my. As I made the sounds, as I read my nice lines in pretty ways, her eyes stayed fixed on the same empty space. But there was something moving inside her. With my forearm resting across her hip and ribs, I could feel her muscles tighten. She was holding something in. Some emotion, thank God. And then a tear came. Proof. I had picked the right words. Waiting for her in the silence that trailed off from the last line, I felt so pretentiously pleased, so ignorantly proud. I watched her blink a second tear away. I liked it because it made me feel better. Me. 
Oh, please, let me in. Mary raised her head. She looked at me. I was acknowledged. Another tear came. She let it. It gathered and rolled down her cheek. It made me cry, too. And we were crying together. Beautiful. I'd said all the right things. Then, from somewhere so far away, somewhere far behind her eyes, the words came. Traveling such great distance, they were barely a sound by the time they reached her lips. You aren't that to me, she whispered. Such small noise. It emptied me. Miri watched the damage. It was a kind of deconstruction to which apologies are inapplicable. It was simply truth. But she apologized anyway. She turned away, held her face, and began to sob. The sorriness came spilling. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. My arm across her ribs, I could feel Miri's body letting all of it go. Only now, from this kind of distance and remove, do I at last understand how sweet it is when our valves finally burst. What a gift when the pressure finally breaks you. My heart emptied, evaporated to a brittle thing. I think it drained out of my fingertips and into her, and that she cried it all away. You aren't that to me, she shook while she sobbed. No one is that to me. Why don't I have that? Why don't I get that? Her eyes, full and overflowing, looked into mine, vacant. She pushed her body up and sank into me, face to my chest, my chin resting on her hair. Holding her, it was my eyes fixed on that same blank point. Nothing there. What's wrong with me? The words came choked lost almost completely in her tears. What's wrong with me? There was so much needing to come out. What's wrong with me? An entire ocean, an infinite ocean. What's wrong with me? And the little goddess cried, all alone. Inside the constellation of my memories, Traveling one to the next, I find that the love, so hidden at the time which resides inside our deepest pain, inside these profound shatterings, is proportionally exact in its density to the love which fuels our perfect ecstasies, our passions, and our rapture. The symmetry is a flawless inverse, and the one is not possible without the other. I seek these places out now these parts in our story where we get to break, and I understand their sweetness. I meet Miri here, and I love her. She cries on the couch, falls apart in my arms, and she's the prettiest girl I've ever seen. I come back to this place, and I hold her again. But this time I do understand, and I do have the answer. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you. I promise.